guys welcome back to another episode of the outlaw country podcast today we're lucky enough to be joined today by zach welch so zach appreciate you taking the time absolutely man thanks for having me of course well can you tell me just a little bit about yourself maybe what you do like hobbies things like that other than country music just so you gotta get to know you a little bit uh yeah man i'm a hell of a bowler you know uh kind of really nothing too exciting man i go and try to find a good place to eat with the old lady and go bowling when i can hang out with everybody try to ghostwrite rap lyrics <laughs> so you try to find good places to eat i've never been to texas but i know you guys kind of just number one for barbecue down there where's your favorite place to eat down there oh man there's uh there's killer barbecue all over the place uh one of my favorites is uh, this place called Shorty's over by uh, – it's near my my hometown, Forney, Texas, off the highway. It's really good eating. Uh, but, I mean, Dallas has some really good Italian food, Campisi's, Scalini's. Got a lot of good stuff over here. I went and ate at Del Frisco's for the first time the other day. Big fancy steakhouse. That was good. Okay. Yeah. I just kind of throw down wherever I yeah, if I if I ever go down to Texas, I I gotta hit some of those places up. But wait oh, for sure, you make it down here, give me a holler, I'll take you. For sure, man. Yeah, I'll take you up on that for sure. I I want to come down to Texas. I got some buddies that've been to Fort Worth before, and that just sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, man, Texas, Texas is a good spot. And you're up in you're up in Nebraska, right? Correct. Yeah. O- Omaha is kind of where we're based out of. I do. I go to school down in Lincoln, Nebraska, where the university is, but I'm originally from Omaha. What was that? You cut out for just a second there. Um, I, I We're based out of Omaha, Nebraska, but I go to I go down um, the school down in Lincoln where the university is. So uh, I'm originally from Omaha. Oh, OK. How did you how did you know? Like what what really? made you want to want to start to do country music like what what led you taking that leap of becoming an artist and and not pursuing maybe a normal a normal job uh really i think the weirdly enough the whole pandemic thing kind of made it possible for me while it screwed everybody else who was already doing it you know i was i was playing little local shows and uh and then my buddy Ethan and, and I were recording and whatnot, you know, and that was kind of the whole start of the 301 Productions thing. Was me and him were just sitting around drinking and recording, but we were out and playing and going to the bars and doing all that. Well, then whenever we couldn't do it anymore, uh, we just decided to start recording music, and uh, we had a bunch of songs recorded, and we decided to put a put a picture of my face on it and called an album and then uh, some people liked it and so we just kind of kept rolling with it so just having that downtime to kind of write songs and things like that when we were all kind of locked up in our houses that was that was your kind of calling you said i could i could see myself doing this yeah because i always thought you know 
which I think a lot of people do, that if you want to, if you want to put out music and you want to, you know, try to be involved in the scene and whatnot, you got to go and get signed to something or, or have somebody backing you financially or anything. But really, you can just, you know, buy you a microphone and a laptop, little interface, and uh, you just record. And if you got something to say, you can just say it. And then you can pay like 10 bucks a year or something like that. You can put it on every platform that exists. So I feel like if a lot, if I feel like there's a bunch of really talented songwriters and musicians that we're never going to hear from because they didn't know this existed that you can just do it yeah and i i think the streaming platforms are really kind of changing that aspect of allowing people these independent artists to start get a get a following and not have to rely on country radio i mean we hear the same five songs every time we turn on the car but you, you see now right. especially like on uh like I'm not. I'm not saying like the people that that record on on TikTok are like independent or like uh, alternative artists. But you can like you go on TikTok and you see there's a lot of sounds with Culture Wall or Tyler Childers, things like that. There's a there's a huge following on there, and you can see it uh, in music sales. Like guys like Cody Jinx are getting platinum albums, things like that. So I, I think you're 100 right that you don't need someone to kind of just back you up financially. If, I, I like what you said there. If you have something yeah, to support it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, really, you don't... And if, you, and if you're not the best guitar player, if you're not the best singer, you know, if you're not the best looking son of a bitch, you can still do it, and somebody it'll relate to somebody, you know? Well, I mean, and, even like what you said, even if you're not the best guitar play, player, I... Like I, I love the rawness of some of these independent artists. Like uh, Zach Bryan does almost no editing, and it, it's just a hundred percent him. I mean, I, I know some of his one of his albums he he just recorded in a barn. I mean, I I I, I don't care if, if it doesn't sound like totally polished, as long as the the, the meaning and the story's there. I think it's it's a it's well worth a listen. Right. Yeah, and a lot of people, like myself included you know, uh, kind of prefer that raw sound, you know, that that just this, a dude and a guitar, even if it's a band, you know, it's like, it's not overproduced. It's not, you know, overly done up. It's just like, I have some shit to say. I'm going to say it and you can listen to it. And I think that, I think that's one of the most, the purest forms of art that you can get, you know. I agree. I, I think it's. I think the the storytelling country music, especially with the independent guys today, are uh, second to none in, in any genre of music. So I, I'm with you. The the the, the having this uh, opportunity to just put out the music you want, like you said, for ten dollars a year is is amazing. I think it's it's helping a lot of new artists break through, like yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean. And and there's some folks like you said about TikTok who um, who can get on there and and their songs will just blow up, you know. And some people get on there and do 
and do covers and whatnot, and that's fine. I have no beef with covers. Anybody who's ever seen me play, I'll, I'll play some songs, but I'll play songs that I like first and foremost, you know. Yeah. But I've seen people cover songs on TikTok and get huge, and then they're like, all right, I got my own stuff too. Here's who sang that song. Other people get on there, and they'll record a cover of some song, pretend like they wrote it, and then they get shit on on Twitter for a couple <laughs> weeks. Yeah. I know this year you, you put out an, uh, an album, uh, Punchy Shirts and Broken Hearts, and I was wondering what song out there was kind of your favorite or you were most excited for for the fans to listen to? Uh, Drunken Ramblings of a Hopeless Romantic, Far and Away. That one, it's the only love song I've ever written, and uh, that one, that one is just fun, you know, and it, the, the only song that there was never a time where it sucked to play it. Did you write that all by yourself or was that co-written with anyone? No, that was that was me sitting in, in my room and uh, my girlfriend was passed out. It was when it snowed in Texas for the first time in forever. Oh, was that this past year? Knew. Yeah, it was in February. Okay. And nobody knew what the hell to do with themselves. But uh, I've always been pretty good at finding ways to entertain myself. So we drank whiskey and, you know, went sledding through the neighborhood and did all that good stuff. Well, then at the end of the day, um, I was still up, you know, looking at the fire, drinking whiskey. Everybody else was kind of nodding off. And I went back inside and hanging out. And my girlfriend was sitting there, you know, passed out and... And I was like, man, this is this is good shit. This is the happiest I've been. I don't know how long, maybe ever. And so um, I kind of had this this thought in my head, you know, of like, I've done a lot of dumb shit in my life. But like, I feel like I'm, I'm really killing it right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, I sat down and I wrote it. And um, I've always... Some would say that I've had trouble conveying my emotions in the past. I like to say that I'm not too sappy. Uh, so when I was writing this love song, instead of making it like a true honest to God love song, I kind of put a little bit of punk rock in it and, uh, and, you know, did, did said shit that I've always said, you know, like it, it didn't take much thought. It was really, if, Anybody who's known me for any amount of time, it's a very simple song because I've always talked about buying a wrestling ring and having all my buddies come over and we're going to, you know, fucking WCW Nitro and get crazy. And then if I if I make it to 85, I'm going to I'm going to try heroin because like, fuck it, you know, it's a terrible idea right now. But at 85, who gives a shit? And so I had all these deals and I'm a Sex Pistols fan. So I had to bring them into it somehow. Okay. Well, was this one of the songs that you had to like, that, that just kind of roll, rolled off? Like you were able to just write it like in under an hour or did it take some time for you to kind of put your own twist on it when, when you were writing it? I think it might've taken me seven minutes. Really? Yeah, I just I I know a lot of really good songwriters who will decide that morning I'm gonna write a song today, and by the end of the day they'll have a really great song. 
if I decide to write a song, I will sit there and look at it for months and want shit get done. And eventually I'll be just like dove, love, glove, la la la. There's a song and it won't, it won't mean anything. It'll just be some bullshit that rhymes because I said I was going to write a song. But um, every once in a while I'll just be hanging out and I'm like, okay, this is the song and I'll start writing it. And every once in a while I'll go back and, tweak this or change that word or try to put a bridge in it. Uh, but that one, I just, I started playing, I started singing and then I was like, Oh shit, I need to write that down before I forget it. So are you, are you mainly just, just want to sing songs that you, you write or would you be against kind of having anything being pitched to you by other songwriters? Well, actually my, my buddy, Ethan, who, who I mentioned, you know, and he's my producer slash manager slash, you know, the founder of, of 301, you know. Um, he actually wrote Parking Lot Poet. Okay. And, uh, and he called me one day and he was like, hey, man. I was like, what's up, buddy? He's like, I wrote a song. I want you to, I want you to look at it and see if you could do anything with it. And I said, all right, cool. And so he sent me the song and the only thing that I did to it was in the chorus. Uh, I'm hopelessly frantic, frantically hopeless. All my thoughts are manic, but I'm the poet. And I added, I'm a wannabe rambler who can't live in the moment. And that was it. Everything else was Ethan's. Oh, wow. And then, uh, and right now I'm trying to, uh, do some uh i'm trying to steal some of kate anson songs because kate anson's one of my favorite songwriters in the world fuck the scene uh he writes really good songs and he buddied up with me and ethan a little while back so he'll like he's dumb enough to let me steal his songs <laughs> And so I'm, I'm going to record one of his eventually. I'm trying to just figure out which one. He sent me some fucking killer songs, man. But I just can't, I can't pick, you know. So which I guess it's a good problem to have. That kind of leads me into my next question I have for you is, so you released a single in September. Uh, Ada, is that, is that a, a, like a lead single for an album? I know you, you just had a lead, or an album or is this just, you're just trying to put out music as, uh, for the fans as much as you can. Really, um, with Ada, I um, I love playing acoustic shows and I love doing acoustic EPs, albums, whatever they are. I don't know what the difference is, really. I know if it's four, it's an EP, but I think eight, you can call it an album. Um, but really, I'd written that song a while back about... Um, you know, about some shit that I saw and it made me mad and I always take shit personally. So I had to write that song about it, but I tried to play it acoustic and I was like, this song sucks acoustic. And so we decided we were going to make it the first full band single. And I, I got some plans to do more full band stuff, but I don't have anything set in stone just yet. Okay. But, um, <clears throat> I was like, this is going to be my first, my first full band single. And then we'll see what happens after that. But then we got into the studio and we were like, let's make it a metal song <laughs> and drop all the tuning down. And so I think um, 
I plan on getting back in the studio to record some more full band stuff in the next couple of months. Okay. Because I got some I got some more songs. I think eventually the plan is to take most of the songs that we did acoustic and give them the full band while you know obviously writing still more songs but i think i'll i think i'm always going to put out acoustic albums and acoustic eps and then i'll drop a full band single here maybe drop a full band ep and then one of these days if if it's feasible and and i can pull it off then i'll drop a full band album and we'll see i'm i play it i play it by ear really yeah well I know you were talking about how it's a little, uh, I, I kind of wanted to make it ha- sound like a harder rock song. Was this mm-hmm. kind of this? I know there's a scene down in Texas. I don't know if it influenced you or not, but kind of the guys like Pecos or Co that kind of lean into that, that rock sound. Is that kind of what you were going for there? Or, or is that influenced at all? Not necessarily. I am, I am a fan of Pecos and Co and, and all those guys, I think they're I think they're kick ass. But my biggest inspiration is the Drive By Truckers, and then the old ninety sevens, the Dallas band. That's great. But uh, with that one, I was I I was aiming for a Drive By Truckers heavily influenced deal. Okay. Well, as twenty twenty one is a year so far, how do you feel this has been? For you as an artist like what have been the highs and what have been the lows man really uh <clears throat> there's been there's been a lot of <clears throat> a lot of good shit a lot of bad shit go on this year but artistically it's really it's really been looking up you know i've, I've made an, a lot of new buddies uh going out and gigging and whatnot i've gotten to gotten to play some really good shows with some really great musicians and uh we've had some guys on from texas like uh, we've had Huser brother band we've had curtis grimes john stork i don't know if you know any of those guys if you've played with them at all i don't know any of them on a personal level but i am a fan of them okay but uh no i kind of i ended up accidentally buddying up with the college station scene Oh, do you know? Do you know Hayden Haddock? I know that name, okay. but I don't. I don't know him. I know, uh, like, I say the College Station scene. That's just where I always see them at. I don't know where they're actually from, but like, um, Parker Ryan's my buddy. Uh, Jordan Nix, okay. Braxton Keith, um, Lucas Jagno. Of course, he's from Louisiana, but I, I've only ever seen him in College Station. Uh, Tanner Usher, he's a killer. I might have already said yeah. him. He's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, I played I played Parker's um, EP release party when he put out Tower Street Part Two, and it was me, Braxton Keith, Lucas Jagno, Jordan Nix, Gracie York, Tanner Usher, J.R. Carroll, who is the fucking goat and he's running around with Zach Bryan fucking playing these sold out theaters and shit. Super proud of my boy JR and then Parker. Okay. And it was and it was just it was 
probably one of the best shows that I've ever been involved in in any capacity. Awesome. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I mean, definitely has to be one of the highs. What has been one of the the tougher situations uh, so far this year as an artist? Uh, Man, honestly, between you and me and the millions and millions of the Outlaw Country podcast fans, but uh, (laughs) I don't know if we got millions. I will get there, even if you don't. This is going to be the one. <laughs> but uh, it, I was honestly pretty bummed out when I dropped the full band single because I'd hyped myself up. You know, I'd kind of built this reputation sort of as this, like, kind of folk singer kind of dude who showed up with, you know, his guitar strings all fucking crazy looking, and I'd get up there and, and sing my little songs, and some of them were funny, and some of them were sad, and this, that, and the other thing. And then I was like, man, I'm really not doing – like, I still got a rock a day job. These numbers ain't quite cutting it. Let's go to the studio, give these people what they need, some face melting rock and roll, and then um, dropped it, and everybody was like, cool, but, like, that was that was it. I didn't gain a whole shitload of new fans, and I was like, "Damn it!" Yeah. I was I hyped myself up, you know. Well, I, I know the dangerous territory, especially with with some Texas artists and independent guys. It's I mean, you're you you just got to weather the storm. I mean, I I I, I like your sound a lot, and I I think you got something special, and I I think just what you're doing, putting out music constantly is going to attract fans more and more. So I, I wouldn't, would not let that discourage you at all. I mean, Oh yeah, man, we got, yeah, I'm going to keep it moving regardless. As long as there's one dude that'll, that'll listen to my shit, then I'll keep putting it out. You know, like I said, it's 10 bucks a year and I already bought the, the mic and the, the interface. So worst case scenario, we'll just have acoustic EPs come out every six months. Well, even even if you feel like that song didn't didn't do as as well as you were hoping for, I mean, uh, may, may not be on the same exact level, but uh, Amarillo by Morning was never a number one hit for George Strait. That never right. was one for him, and that's like his most popular one, right, of all time, probably. Yeah, really. My my whole plan is to get the full band together, which I'm working on actually getting a touring band put together. And once I once I set all those pieces in place, it'll probably be at the beginning of next year. And uh, I plan to hit the road and and go out there and do it. And I think that'll help a lot, you know, because really, aside from a couple exceptions, right now I'm a, I'm a weekend warrior, you know. When when you say hit the road, do you are you meaning mostly in Texas, or could, would you see yourself playing up in Nebraska or anything like that? Oh, I'd love to come to Nebraska. I love I love Texas. I've been all over this state. Mm-hmm. And it's cool and I'll always love it. I've I decided I'm either gonna die in the Hill Country or Fort Worth. Those are my two favorite places in the state. Um but there's a whole lot of shit outside of the state that I haven't seen. And I plan to see all that, preferably in a van. There you go. We uh, like I know I know Colby Cooper plays a lot up here in Nebraska, and then we've had guys. I saw you were tweeting at one of our our good friends Shelby Lee Low today. Oh yeah, 
he he plays up in Nebraska. There's this bar over by our um, where in Omaha, kind of by where I live, and they've had mm-hmm. it's a lot of a lot of good artists started out playing there. It's like they had Cody Jinx, Ward Davis, Mike and the Moon Pies, uh, Whitey Morgan, a bunch of guys. I have, it's called Bucks Bar and Grill. If you ever want to, that that's a good place if you if you're just trying to just branch into Nebraska or something like that and gain a following up there. We Shelby's played there as well, so uh, we would love to have you. I the well, hell yeah, man. Regulars there, they they it's like more of a listening room type of bar. Like not, it's not like people are just kind of drinking, talking. Everyone usually kind of sits there and and really pays attention. It, it's a good time. Right. Well, I, yeah, I love that. I love a, I love a good listening room. You know, those are little listening rooms kind of tough to get into, you know, cause it's easy to go be, be the corner of the bar singer. You know, mm-hmm. I say that it's a motherfucker starting no matter what you're trying to do, but like once you, once you get it going, but, uh, to go find a, to go find a good room that, just wants to hear you when your name isn't doesn't do anything you know mm-hmm. that's that's a tough that's a tough deal because like i've opened for people that the crowd was there to see them yeah. and when they got up there they fucking killed it and the crowd went wild and everybody loved them it was like the end of rudy and when i played up there it, it was cool but they weren't there to see me and I don't blame them because I hadn't had any shit out at all, but they was there to see that other dude. So while I was up there playing, they were taking shots and getting wild and shooting pool and everything else, which has never bothered me because really the only reason I picked up a guitar in the first place is because I wanted to drink free beer at the bar. Just shit went sideways somewhere along the way, and now I'm here. Yeah. But I played um, played at Andy's Bar in Denton, last week or the week before that and it was me and my buddy seth jones okay and uh and then cole cheney okay and uh cole cheney i'm i'm sure you've heard of him because he blew up pretty quickly me and him put out i put out punchy shirts and broken hearts the same day he put out his album mercy and I was like, oh, cool, this young kid. And I wouldn't listen to it. And I was like, I should have waited a week to put my shit out. This is fucking good. But I, I got to meet him. He's the most grown-ass 21-year-old I've ever met in my entire life. But we went in there, and people people were there to hear music. And that was, that was it. They wanted to hear music. And um, we gave it to them and they loved it and they were going crazy. It wasn't, it wasn't a huge bar. It wasn't a big ass theater, but I mean, it was however many people, I mean, it was, it was sold out, but, uh, it was however many people were in there and everybody was hanging on to every word of every song. And, uh, that was, that was a hell of a feeling. Yeah. You got to be able to, as an artist, probably just feed off that when, when people are that engaged with, with your show. Yeah, because, you know, I play, um, like the show I'm playing tonight, it's a little place called Forney Ice House, it's right by my house, I'm playing with a buddy of mine, Colton Mathis, who's uh, dropping an album on November 19th, I believe, but uh, we're playing up here tonight, and it's going to be a good time, but this is a bar, and me and him and all of our buddies come up here, and we all play at least every once every couple of months, but... 
we know what to expect. It's going to be loud. It's going to be rowdy. It's going to be some pool shooting and whatnot. But we're going to have a hell of a time. So I, I have an appreciation for really every type of gig there is. But there's there's something special about even my little dumbass jokes I'll tell in between songs actually getting a reaction Yeah. at the other one. So, I mean, I just love this shit. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. Well, I, I, one thing I think you, you do a good job of describing um, in your in your bio on Twitter, uh, I wouldn't say you're semi-professional. I would say, I mean, you're you're selling music. I would say you're professional, but I like how you put semi-professional sad songer in your Twitter bio. I, I think that's kind of at least in mainstream, kind of forgotten country music's built on these sad kind of drinking songs. I was. Right. What artist kind of growing up was influencing you or just kind of reminded you of the country music is still about these sad songs? Um, what really got me into country music to even begin with was, was Waylon Jennings. There you go. Hell yeah. And, um, you know, cause like, and everybody knows Johnny Cash, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I grew up in a small town in Texas. It's not that small anymore, but when I was growing up, it was a small fucking town. So there was country music going on. Pat Green was huge. Yeah. Uh, and it was good times, but Wave on Wave, though it is a great song, and I'll die on that hill, isn't anything like anything that I do or anything that I'll probably ever do, you know? I mean, maybe one day, but... I like it, but it's not that old, sad country, you know. It's um, it's it's when I found like Waylon, and I was like, "This is this is good shit," you know. And I heard, uh, let's see, was it? Don't you think this outlaw bit's gotten out of hand? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, motherfucker! These dudes mean business." You heard, uh, and I was like 13. I didn't even know what he was talking about. <laughs> have you heard, uh, Omaha by Waylon? I have. I couldn't sing it to you, but I've heard Omaha. I, was it by Waylon? Yeah. I it was, it. It was, was written by, was it Billy Joe Shaver? Yeah. Now we're talking. See, it's Billy Joe Shaver is my fucking hero. Yeah. He, he wrote it for, cause I, what did he, he, he ran into Waylon. And Waylon said that he wanted to cut some of his songs, then never called him. And then he tracked down Waylon, found him in the recording studio, and Waylon was about to like beat the hell out of him for interrupting his recording. And he said, I have all these songs for you. Just let me pitch them. And if you don't like a single one, if you don't like one of them, I'll leave. And he, it was the Honky Tonk Heroes album. And he pitched. Yeah, he wrote the whole Honky Tonk Heroes album. And Omaha is, is one of them on there. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, Village. See, that's why I was like, was that Waylon? Because I'm I am a student of Billy Joe Shaver. Yeah. And I I mean I study every song that he does. And and it really depends on which uh if you read Waylon's biography or Billy Joe Shaver's how that little deal in the in the recording studio went down. Because Waylon was like, I was about to beat this old cowboy's ass, hoss, you know. <laughs> and then Billy Joe Shaver was like, I walked in there. I said, Waylon, you sit down, shut the fuck up, and I'm going to play songs. <laughs> if you don't like it, you can kiss my ass. And it's, just, it's just these two dudes, these, these 
I mean, fantastic musicians, but these just like alpha male egomaniacs, you know, hopped up on God knows what. Yeah. And they're just ready to kill each other. But then, like, the music's so fucking good. How could you? What are you mad at? You know? I, I, I love what you said there about kind of you, you grew up on Waylon. I, I love Johnny Cash. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like that's just like the typical, oh, yeah, I love the Outlaws. I like Johnny Cash. I think Waylon and, and Merle, I feel like mm. kids my age, I'm 21. I feel like kids my age are just, they, no one no one listens to Waylon or Merle anymore. And it's, and, I freaking love like I, this is kind of a typical thing, but I, I think it is uh, uh, Dukes of Hazard theme song. I think that song's freaking badass. He's got that I, song is so good. It's so good, uh, and he's he's just got so many hits. I I just I think he's a lot more just good time like party time to listen to than like Johnny Cash is just kind of like when you're alone or or sad. I I love Waylon's stuff. Right. Yeah. And I and. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I love Johnny Cash, and I think that any anybody, especially if you're if you're into country, but even if you're not into country music, I think Johnny Cash is just great music. But I'm not impressed when somebody's like, "Yeah, I love I love that old country man, like Johnny Cash." Yeah, I'm like, okay, well, get in line, man. You know, Johnny Cash got a T-shirt at Walmart that you can just go buy. Yeah, I'm sure Waylon does too now, but like, but I get impressed when somebody's like, oh yeah, I listen to fucking um, like Johnny Paycheck. Okay, yeah. Or someone hit like me that. Like Ernest. Some outlaw Tubb. shit. Yeah, if you, if you hit me with like Ernest Tubb or like Hank Sr., I'm like, okay, you, you know what you're talking about, but. Right. The typical, typical. Which, like, there ain't nothing wrong with just, you know, no. being like, no, I love Johnny Cash. It's like, well, fucking love Johnny Cash, brother. It's all good. <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, I I love it, too. I think um, I think that Johnny Cash was was a hell of a songwriter. I think that uh, I think that sometimes people try to make it like, make him a little bit deeper than he was. But then I feel like other people don't give him the credit he deserves. It's a really tough. It's a really tough line, you know. Yeah. Because I was having a conversation about Johnny Cash and 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 even Waylon and and Merle Haggard and stuff, and we were talking about this and and that and all they did for uh, for these different communities and how they um, you know were like really good to like native americans and stuff and how they love native americans and i was like that's great but like it's the whole it's the johnny and june thing for me personally that's what kills me the most is when i get on twitter somebody wants to be johnny and june i'm like man brother no you don't yeah i'm not i'm not gonna throw dirt on the man's name but that relationship was not as beautiful as you thought it was neither was hank and audrey and it was just tough times. So I feel like people romanticize the wrong parts of people. Uh-huh. I agree. Well, time to move into a, a different topic. I always wanted to get your opinion, kind of to backtrack a little bit to you hitting the road, things like that. Uh, do you ever see yourself kind of dealing with that Nashville scene, or is that something you would like want to stay clear of? 
as an independent artist? Man, I I really don't know. I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it. Uh, I'm not going to go out and seek it. You know, I'm not going to go and, and try it. Like, I'm not going to move to Nashville and try to get somebody to pick one of my songs to play. Yeah. But uh, if somebody called me up and said, hey, I really like this song and fucking Luke Bryan's going to sing it or whatever, you know, be like, all right, cool, do it. It's like, oh, we're going to put an EDM drum beat on the back of it. Okay. Like, the, the music video is going to be like a strip club on the ocean. I don't give a shit, you know? Like, get my song out there to people because people will hear it. I've done this a whole lot with a lot of artists. Is um, Well, first and foremost, I'd make a shitload of money, and then I could fund all the other stuff that I want to do. And I feel like a lot of people get mad at people for doing stuff like that and call them a sellout and whatnot. But, like... Suck it up, you know? If you can make a shitload of money and fund what you want to do, do it. But, um... Also, people would listen to that song with the, you know... They would listen to Enough or whatever song with the EDM drum beat and the strip club on the ocean music video. And they'd be like, hmm, I wonder who wrote this song? And then they'd look it up and then they'd hear the original version of it. And half the people would be like, thank God Luke Bryan came and put drums and everything else on this. And But then another half of the people would be like, so this is what it was supposed to sound like. And then you gain a whole new following. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think it's, it's tough for some artists. And I think you can, you can be in the Nashville scene and still make good music, but it's tough. Like yeah. we've seen Cody, Cody Johnson had to just fight and fight and fight to get to where he's at. And I, I like what he's been putting out and he's on a big time Nashville label, but it's, it's tough. And I going back to what we talked about at the beginning, these, these streaming services are making it possible for, for these artists to gain a following, uh, show that there's something there. And then, these national labels do none of the work. They just scoop them up and promote what they've already been when doing. So. Right. And I mean, well, like in the case of, uh, of like Cody Johnson. Okay. So Cody Johnson is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he had a big ass following. He was, he was going to make it with or without the Nashville, this or that. Yeah. And when you get when when you got it like that and you're and everything you put out is a hit and you don't need the the labels and the this, that and the other thing, there's really not a whole lot they can do to you. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that's that's why you can you can go to Nashville and still make good good music and i'm not saying everything that comes out of nashville is dog shit you know like a lot of people will just violently hate on nashville and um and it's like if it ain't your cup of tea it ain't your cup of tea it's not mine personally but i'm not gonna like throw a brick at somebody because they're bumping florida georgia line i'm just not gonna ask to ride with them places yeah but um 
But Cody Johnson had such a big following and does have such a big following that if he showed up into the studio and he was like, hey, man, I got this song and this is what it's going to sound like. And they said, well, what if we uh, put in some like ska trumpets and then the little Skrillex, oh, my God, in the background, he'd just be like, go fuck yourself. And he'd turn around and they couldn't do shit about it because he's Cody Johnson. Yeah. And he's going to go and he's going to, no matter what he does, it's going to be successful. It's going to be good. And he doesn't need him. It's mm-hmm. the people who need him that get fucked. Yeah. Well, I, I know you're kind of, you've been doing this for almost two years now um, since the pandemic. What is something you wish you would have known about the music industry before starting your career? Man, honestly, I like the surprises. Like, really, there hasn't there hasn't been anything uh, anything b- that bad. I wish I kind of wish somebody would have told me that not everybody wants to be your best friend. Mm-hmm. You know, like that that was a tough lesson to learn. But I've been gigging for eight years, nine years, something like that. No, not eight, nine years, six, seven years. I'm bad at math. Um, but yeah, I started gigging when I was 18, and I'm 25 now. And uh, and I'll, I was playing with a bunch of people, and I was like, these guys are badass, you know. And then uh, I got hooked up with with a couple of guys and I was like, man, we're going to, we're going to make this happen. You know, this, we're going to take this all the way to Nashville and we're all going to retire. And some shit went down and nothing of any importance. And I got cast away, told to fuck off and everybody was mad at me. And I was like, well, what the hell guys? I thought we were buddies. And so that's really the only, the only hard hard lesson that I didn't just bounce back from you know you go and you you play a show you get too drunk you get booed that's unfortunate yeah next day you wake up you go play another show you don't get so fucked up but um you roll you roll in you meet some dudes and they're like oh what's up buddy you know and next thing you know you're like oh this is like my family and then some shit happens and they're like nah fuck you like that shit hurts. But I'm more of an emotional person than I am business-minded, so mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other lessons I was supposed to learn that I didn't. Yeah. I know it's a, it's a different industry, and it's probably, I mean, I, I've never played a show or anything like that. I don't have a musical bone in my body. I just, I'm just here trying to shine a light on what I think is good-ass music, so uh, I, I'm sticking with you. I'm not, gonna, I'm not ditching you or anything like that. Well, I appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate you shining a lot on me today. Of course. Well, one thing I want to know about you is, uh, as an independent artist, is is this something you really pride yourself on? Like, do you, do you see yourself, like, kind of hanging your hat there and not not really ever seeing yourself? Like, you, you want a record label, or do you kind of see yourself staying with this 301 production? Man, I've... Uh... I've had a lot of conversations about this, uh, but if something were to come up to make me jump from 301, it would have to be a big fuck off amount. 
because before 301 Productions was 301 Productions, it was Zach Welch and Ethan Whitaker just doing whatever the hell we wanted and people telling us, like, you know, like, being kind of condescending about it, you know, like, oh, you are still recording your little songs and shit. And so, um, and so we, we set out to, to do, to do good shit. And 301 Productions is the name that we stuck on it. And is that the area? So if, if I want to get, uh, if I'm going to leave 301 Productions, it's got to be a good enough deal that I can take me and, everybody else with me is 301 uh, guys's area code or something that was uh that was ethan's apartment in college station or in brian way back in way back in the day a few years ago and then one time he called me and he said man i was watching uh unsolved mysteries or one of those shows and he was sitting in that apartment watching that shit, and the apartment showed up on there. Somebody had gotten killed in his apartment. In his apartment? In his apartment. Somebody had gotten killed like 10 years prior to that, but like in his in his fucking apartment. Oh, my God. And so 301 Productions it was after that. Wow. And so, yeah. But... You know, they say uh, don't go into business with your friends and whatnot, and I, I think that's that's accurate for some people, and some people really shouldn't. Uh, but I think for me and for Ethan, if we kind of have to, because we're we'll we'll really only take much criticism from the other one. Everybody else will get in trouble if we if we have too much of a disagreement. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, like, if you start doing shit because it's a job and you get mad, then you can just be like, fuck you, I'm out. And you just go looking for a new job. It's a little bit more difficult with contracts and whatnot, but essentially it's still the same thing. When you are in business and you're that invested into it with somebody that you consider a brother more than anything. You get mad, you get you get upset, shit gets stressful and whatnot, and you'll fight it out, wake up the next morning and figure out how to move forward. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I have just two more questions for you. I know you got a show coming up here in a little bit. Um, so I don't want to eat up too much of your time. But Oh man, yeah, brother, I ain't never been in a hurry in my life. I don't plan on starting today. <laughs> I well, thank you. Uh, one one thing I want to know about you is just when you first started started off, you said that you would cover some artists and things like that. Who was kind of your go to artist or song that you would kind of pull out to get people grooving before you had any any music out for them to to know? I used to uh, I used to cover a whole lot of Turnpike Troubadours. Oh, okay, for a long time, and uh, I kind of I cut back on it a lot. Because I got booked to play a show, and uh, on the poster it said Zach Welch, and in parentheses it said Turnpike Troubadours uh, Tribute Band. Oh. 
And I was like, well, fuck, guys. I know other songs. <laughs> what, 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 what would you play most? Like, did you ever do, like, uh, Before the Devil Knows We're Dead or anything like that? Uh, I butchered that one a couple of times. <laughs> um, I played uh, Seven and Seven. Love that one. And then I moved the capo up and played uh, Kansas City Southern. Okay. And uh, I played Doreen. I still play Doreen all the time. But that's uh, that's an old '97 song that they that they covered. And that's actually how I got into old '97 just through Turnpike Troubadours. But I mean, I played every song that they had put out i i had learned it and had played it gotcha okay uh my last thing i got for you and, and don't look back here because I, I know you said you played a lot of rowdy bars and things like that what what's the craziest thing that you you've happened that has happened during one of your shows that's that's a tough one man there's uh there's been some wild shit and okay, so I'm gonna tell this one and it really wasn't it wasn't incredibly wild given like now in hindsight it wasn't that wild, but to me at the time I was like, This is the craziest shit that'll ever happen. Um I was playing at a bar in East Texas kind of by the lake, but not close enough to the lake for the houses to be nice. And I was taking a break, sitting down at the bar, and there was this dude, and he was sitting at the at the bar, and he had been hooting and hollering and clapping, and he was loving my songs. And at the time, you know, I got the long hair. Now, I didn't back then. I kept my uh, my head pretty, pretty close to shaved. And, uh, I finished my set. I went to go and drink a beer at the bar and I sat down next to this dude and he starts talking to me and, um, you know, we're bullshitting back and forth. And then I hear the door open. I turn around and there's this like six foot four black dude, cowboy hat, big ass belt buckle. Look like cowboy Troy. It might've been. <laughs> and, uh, and I just went back to drinking my beer and then this dude who had been hooting and hollering all night kind of tapped me on the shoulder. And I looked over at him and he picked up his sleeve and he had just the biggest, dumbest, ugliest, poorly done Confederate flag with the fucking Nazi birds and lightning bolts and shit in it. Oh, God. And I was like, a motherfucker. Not this shit, you know, like why, what have I done to make you think that I was on your team, you cousin fucker? And so he's sitting there and just like shit eating grin and I'm so uncomfortable. I was 19 at the time. Nowadays, I'm sitting at a bar and somebody rolls up their sleeve to show me their big Nazi tattoo. I'd probably just hit him with a fucking beer bottle because I'm like, I'm not even getting involved in this shit. I want to make it perfectly clear whose side I'm on in this altercation. Yeah. But um, fucking black dude comes walking in, you know, saying hey to everybody. And this inbred bitch pushes his chair back 
and then like drops his drink on the floor like on purpose and starts yelling at the black dude saying oh you knocked over my drink you know you motherfucker you this that and the other thing and the black dude said I'm sorry man here let me buy you a drink and the fucking Nazi guy goes, I don't fucking drink Hennessy, and then started to drop the hardest R that the world had probably ever heard at that point. But before he could get it out, that black dude hit him harder than I have seen anybody get hit with anything ever. Broke this dude's whole fucking face, and then he just fell into my lap. Oh, my God. And I kind of just, like, pushed him off of me. And the black dude is looking at me because, like I said, shaved hat. The shirt that guy was wearing and the shirt that I had on were even similar. Like, we looked like we might have been there together. And so the black dude, who just broke a grown-ass man's face, looked at me. And I just kind of started giggling uncomfortably and said, for the record, man, I, I do drink Hennessy. <laughs> and we had a big fucking laugh. And then the bouncer came and drugged that Nazi out in the bar. And um, threw him outside. And when I got out there, he was still in La La Land. I was going, I was unloading my shit, and he was still sitting on the side of the bar, just like, "What the fuck happened to me?" Holy crap! I, that dude sounded like he had it coming. Yeah, I love a happy ending. You know? <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! I bet you know I've asked that question to a bunch of artists before, and I tell you what, that that takes the cake right there. It's the craziest one we've had on here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's wild shit, man. But, I mean, that's – I hate it, and I wish it wasn't that way, but that's kind of the the underbelly of really our scene. Really, country music in general, it's not – it's not, a like, a mainstay in country music. Like, country music isn't automatically racist, but, like, there's a lot of assholes who love country music. Yeah. And – for some reason, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is when an asshole loves country music and you're playing at the bar that he's sitting at, he just automatically assumes you're team asshole. But every once in a while, you get to watch them get their fucking face broken. So all's well that ends well, I guess. There you go, man. Well, hey Zach, I appreciate you coming on here. We we gotta do it again real soon. Absolutely, brother. Anytime, man. I appreciate you having me on. Of course. I hope the show goes well tonight. Oh, thank you, man. I know it will. Colton Mathis is here. He's going to fucking kill him. I'm just there to tell jokes, really. <laughs> there you go, man. Well, hey, uh, we'll, keep, we'll, we'll keep spreading the word and posting about uh, any new music you drop, man. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate it, man. All right. You have a good night, man. Yes, sir. You too. Take it easy. You too. See you. Yeah.